You know what? I realize I didn't check the camera. Oh my god! First podcast of the year. Seven seconds in, didn't check the camera. Got the TV going on. <laughs> Welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host Chad White. If you didn't know, this premier podcast for the website cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Welcome in. First podcast in three weeks, I believe. Because I did not do one for the last two weeks of the year. And I did not do one last week. So here we are, three weeks later. We're back, baby. <laughs> it's, been a, it's, been, it's been a while. Uh, I, I, I think I did this last year. Uh, to the dozens of listeners I have. <laughs> I, ch- I chose not to do... I mean, one... Like, I, that first week, it was I was initially going to do something... And I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't feel like it. I didn't want to force myself to do it because it wasn't going to be good. Uh, Not that I'm saying that normally this is good, but (laughs) here we are. So I decided to, you know what? I said, yep, that that TV's loud. I said, why not just, just go? Why not just not do it? And here we are. I I did a video therapy session with my therapist and uh, and Nova the cat had walked walked over because she was hungry and I had not fed her yet and I so I picked her up and I put her in my lap and my therapist goes whoa she got thick <laughs> it's very true Nova has gotten fat in the past couple of months that I've had her and it is my fault I did not realize that uh, I was feeding her too much and then I read the bag. Realized I was feeding her too much. Proceeded to only feed her how much was on the bag. Uh, and then realized that that was still too much. <laughs> and I have just recently started... I looked up how many calories to feed a 10-pound cat. And it's substantially lower than you think. <laughs> substantially. So I've been feeding her that amount. But now she is begging me for food at every juncture. And, and sometimes she drinks all of her water. Sometimes she doesn't. Um, I've been feeding her now half a can because the canned food is lower than the dry food and calories. And it's a whole thing. So, uh, but she and I, good terms for now. (laughs) But like most women, she will grow to hate me. (laughs) That's a little too real. All right, so how was my break? How was my three weeks off? Well, I did news time, and in news time, one week was uh, so usually I do I do two blooper episodes that have all the bloopers from throughout the, throughout throughout the year, and then the but and then in between the blooper blooper episodes, I do a what I don't what was a recommendation show, but now is an an exploration of how good comedy was. Uh, or how bad, or how it changed it in that in that past year, and so I call that the year in comedy, because recommendations are so stupid. And I, like I could do, I could, I mean, yeah, I could crap out a five minute episode, like, oh, you should watch this, you should watch this, this is why you should watch this. But I would rather, you know, uh, have the recommendations, but also talk about how comedy expanded. Uh, and so I did a non uh, scripted episode. And I just watch. Just go watch it. YouTube.com slash comedy. It's fine. Let's hop into this. 
Sometimes you hear you. Sometimes you leave your body when you're talking and you go, is this good? <laughs> and then you realize it's not good. I was on a, I, I bought the uh, Back to the Future on Blu-ray. I already had it on DVD. I had all the movies on DVD, but uh, Black, to, Black to the Future. <laughs> Black to the Future. Uh, <laughs> yo, Doc, what you doing? <laughs> Marty. Hey, yo, Marty, we got a, man, dude, we, come with me to the future, bro. <laughs> and, then, and then Marty's girlfriend's like, I ain't trying to go to the future. <laughs> I got a hair appointment. If I was white, this would be racist, but I'm not, so it's not. <laughs> uh, I tried to watch. I'm looking at the Back to the Future. Uh, this microphone keeps falling on me. I, I was looking at the Back to the Future uh, Blu-ray collection. And, uh, oh, my God, they're rolling out of the trash can. They're very, I can feel it. I can feel it rumbling. Um, I'm looking at the, uh, the, the collection probably like a hundred feet from me. I have a huge apartment. A <laughs> hundred feet. <laughs> no, it's, it's at the wall over there with the other uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. And, uh, and I just realized that I, I was watching, I watched back to the future one, one night. And the next night I watched back to the future two. And then I did not watch back to the future three <laughs> for some reason. You know, I was also thinking, uh, and we'll get to the story in a second. Uh, the first story in a second. Uh, Cobra Kai came back on Netflix. It was once a YouTube premium show. It's, it was not, it's not a new show. It was once a YouTube premium show. It was on for two years. And it took a year off because YouTube uh, didn't want to do scripted shows anymore. Anyway, because everybody thinks it's a new show. No, it's old. Anyway. Uh, and so I was watching Cobra Kai, the third season. And then that made me think about the Karate Kid movies. And how the first three were part one, part two, and part three. And then the next one, the final one was uh, the next Karate Kid, I believe. Uh, and then <laughs> the the remake was a black Karate Kid. But, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't. As if it was. <laughs> Someone's going to be like, oh my God, was it? I didn't see it. I don't like Jaden Smith. Uh, no, it's a, it's a, I, liked, I like that one a lot. Um, but I just don't want to watch it ever again <laughs> anyway but the, but movies in the 80s had these part ones and part two effects about them because the same goes for and i be, i don't know when young guns came out i want to say 84 85 let's see when the movie uh young guns because i really like young guns 1990 so the first one the first part came out in 19, 1988 and then young guns part two were uh, was 1990 uh, Young Guns, if you don't know, is a movie starring uh, the Estevez brothers. One of them is now known as Charlie Sheen. <laughs> but it's about Billy the Kid and his gang and how they came to be. And uh, if there is one thing I wanted, I ever want to remake in this world, it is Young Guns. Because I do think Young Guns parts one and two, f- good, like, f- <laughs> good westerns for what they are, for having contemporary music. Uh, but also pretty funny. And, uh, yeah, don't look up the tomato meters. Don't look up the Metacritics. Just watch, just watch the movies. Uh, they're periodically on Showtime. So <laughs> check that out. Anyway, I would love to remake, uh, Young Guns parts one and two. But anyway, these, every, a lot of movies had like part one, part two. I just think that's interesting. We should start doing that again. And I'm not talking about like Harry Potter, like Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows was part one, part two. We had uh, Mockingjay, um, 
Hunger Games Mockingjay Parts 1 Part 2 and uh, Twilight Zero Dawn. <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn meets Twilight. Uh, but I, but I do think that it would, it would be interesting. And you know, now that I think about it, I do think, uh, Infinity War and Endgame, those are, those are two, uh, solid ones. I don't know if you could watch them back to back cause I have, I'd, I've never done that. I'd never planned to, uh, but I wonder if that is, uh, if those are good <clears throat> two parters like that. Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman. Speaking of superhero movies. I can't think of any part one, part twos that have, of modern day movie history. And you know what? I don't care to look them up. I don't care. <laughs> so let's move on to this first story. Eight minutes in, baby. Starting off the year right. Quibi. This comes from The Verge. Uh, Roku is ready to buy some Quibi shows. All right. Quibi reportedly in talks to sell its shows to Roku written by Sam Byford. This comes from the Wall Street Journal, as as told by the as told by the Verge. I don't know what happened to my accent, but I totally, apparently I burned my tongue, and now I speak like this. It was almost racist. <laughs> if it were to happen, this is not this deal is not set in stone, and this, and this could change at any point. But everybody has reported this. If this was going to happen, this would give Roku Channel. Uh, a slew of new shows, a slew of shows that people probably would not have checked out otherwise. And also, it would it would bolster the Roku channels. Uh, and I hate this word. I'm not gonna say it. TV show game and movie game. I. Uh, but Roku may feel that the content ugh, would stand a better chance when available on best-selling streaming devices in the U.S. Uh, that is the entire story. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about the implications there. Quibi no longer exists. And the point of Quibi, after the fact, for the people who created shows on there, was that those people could take the shows or... The, you know, okay, take their they're, they're shows. They're all shows. They're, no matter what happens, they're shows because they're all in 10-minute increments. But they could take those shows and then put them into whatever format they'd like after two years. That was the initial contract. So Free Ray Sean, even though it was broken up into 10-minute chunks, could have could be a movie uh, instead of the – or it could be a TV movie instead of the – the uh, I believe they it was a short form Emmy winner, Oscar winner, Emmy winner, Emmy winner, Emmy winner. Excuse me, <laughs> Emmy winner. Um, but they but it could have been a short that they could have um, put up for the Oscars uh, if 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 the if the agreement had allowed them to do that. Uh, or God, what is that show? The most valuable game um, with Christoph Waltz and Liam Hemsworth. That could have been. Uh, a movie, definitely a movie, the way it's shot. But then you also have Will Forte and Caitlin Olson show uh, Fixer Upper, whatever it's called. <laughs> that could have that could have just been like uh, they could have taken all ten episodes and made them all ten five all ten all ten ten minute episodes and turned them into five twenty minute episodes. Um, so that could have that could have been what that had been. But now now they can go to the Roku channel and play for free. 
and the most widely owned streaming device ecosystem. Everybody's got Roku except for me. But if I'm buying a gift for somebody, it's most likely a Roku or a book. All right. <laughs> and then the last thing I'm going to get back into in this uh, first part of this episode is uh, this comes from Deadline, written by Greg Evans. Law and Order SVU turns a dark Broadway, turns to a dark Broadway, rather, for job hunting actors. So as we know, Broadway is, is going is dark. It's been it was dark all last year and it's probably gonna be uh closed. Actually I know I just got an email um for the C plus comedy Gmail uh that uh the Mean Girls musical is just closed. They're not coming back because of the pandemic. And uh as uh, as you know that's happened with a lot of other shows. Some shows are still on hiatus, you know We've got uh, Hamilton is is still on hiatus, but they won't close that down. Uh, and, you know, other things that I don't really know about. <laughs> but now Law & Order, New York-based Law & Order, is bringing in New York-based actors from Broadway to be the extras on their show. And not to be the extras, but like to be the, to be the uh, supporting characters and the killers and all that stuff and the uh, victims. So that's a nice that's a nice thing to have. I just I literally just got done watching uh, SVU episode, um, and uh, so you know that that's a nice thing to have in their repertoire. A lot of those actors are going to eventually be TV and movie actors, um, a lot, or this is just something to have money in your pocket. So this is a this is a beautiful thing that uh, SVU is doing, and that's a great way um, to to. To have a, a good backlog of people. Uh, I, I mean, you know, we don't know when Broadway is going to come back. Sports are sports are back and, and you can go in limited capacities. Um, but Broadway is just a, a whole different type of area to deal with. Uh, enclosed spaces and, and you can only choose so much. So I think that's a really nice thing to do. Stage actors already cast in parts for this season include Tony Winning, Adrian Lennox from The Doubt, A Parable, and After Midnight, um, Elizabeth Marvel from King Lear, Jane Bruce from Jagged Little Pill. That is the Alanis Morissette uh, musical, and I really want to see it. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't really. I'm not really a fan of Alanis Morissette, but uh, it'd be great to see Jagged Little Pill. Uh, Jelani Aladdin from Frozen. Michael Maestro from Love, Valor, Compassion. And Betsy Adam from Steel Magnolias. Interesting. So this is for all for season 22. Those are people already cast. Uh, and then Raul Esparza is, of course, coming back as DA Rafael Barba. I'm so excited. But this is a great thing to see. Uh, the casting offers a significant ben- a logistical benefit to the shows as well because casting in New York actors is more practical and efficient option during the COVID-19 pandemic coronavirus pandemic when the prospect of long-distance flights from Hollywood and required quarantine protocols can complicate everything Los Angeles-based actors. Also, stage actors accustomed to the tightrope walk of eight shows a week are what uh, the producer calls quote-unquote money players, guest stars who hit their marks and can do it over and over again quickly. With pandemic safety precautions enforced on set, minimal personal contact, testing, noisy stop and start ventilation, 
among other things, the production, the producer says, doesn't have to, doesn't have time for actors who need to find it. So it's a great thing to see. I'm very excited, and I can't wait for us this season. Listen, we gotta take a break, and when we come back, we will have the rest of the episode. Going to break, baby. And welcome back to the show. We're in it. We are in it right now in the middle of the episode. Uh, I did not know what to say. My mind blanked. And you know that'll show. That shows you I'd, I'd be a good host. Hire me to host your shows. If you got a show out there, hire me. I know at least one of my dozen of listeners <laughs> is is a is a is a producer. You could you could hire me for your show. I'll host it. Actually, you know what? Uh, the, true story. A couple of months ago, I believe was it was it in the middle of the pandemic? I think it was. Uh, or I'll, may, I'll even say last year around this time. Uh, so this is when the pandemic was starting. But last year, early on last year, uh, somebody emailed me from Los Angeles, the city of lights. <laughs> and somebody emailed me and and said, "Are you interested in uh, like hosting a TV show? We want to shoot a pilot with you and all this stuff." And I said, yeah, like they know because they specifically said we see, we see what you're doing with news time and we love it. And we just want we want you to come out and uh, and host this show. And it's kind of like and they explained the show to me. Well, they they explained the show to be two words. Um, and they're like, you know, you want to uh, are you interested in auditioning and things? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, they said, well, you fly out here and. And we'll shoot the pilot and uh, we'll shop it around and all that stuff. And I said, uh, all right, so when do you want to fly? When, when do you want to fly me out? They said, well, we're not going to fly you out. You fly yourself out and, and you put yourself up and all that. I was just like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> we're about to start a pandemic. <laughs> I can't afford that. Um, it had to be a little bit before the pandemic. It had to be like last year around this time because, yeah, because it, it was still very feasible to fly. Uh, but anyway, I, I I haven't thought about that in a long time. Um, I mean, and, and and you know, that's the business. Like if you if I lived in L.A., then they would have asked me, and I would have you know just driven over there and done it. Um, or if I was like a working, if I had money, <laughs> if I was if I was a working uh, a television man, uh, I would have I would have uh, had flown myself out there and done it. Um, but, you know, that's just not a, a viable option for me or a lot of other people, especially emailed out of the blue. <laughs> they said the show was going to go on sci-fi or something. I don't know what it would have been. Hey, listen, if you're if you're listening, if that person is listening right now, I'm still free. <laughs> now, I'll shoot it from my apartment. I'll shoot it right. <laughs> the, the microphone as well. Uh, I'll shoot it. I'll shoot it right here. You know, you want me to. You see how news time is. If you if you really were watching news time, uh, don't look at the last three episodes because those are like the end of the episodes. But, but everything before that, maybe even next week's episode. All right, let's move on. I forgot to restart this uh, counter. Women director numbers in 2020. I was peaking when I said that. No peaking. 
with a reference to Doughboys. This comes from Brent Lang over at Variety. Brent Lang, women directed num- record numbers of 2020 films, a study finds. Now, uh, I talk about this, the, the uh, women in the industry numbers and uh, people of color numbers periodically. And even though these numbers are still entirely too low, it is good to see them rising uh, and going up. And and I, I would it's the highest in, in the last couple of years. So women represented 16% of directors working on the 100 highest grossing films in 2020. That's up from 12% in 2019 and 4% in 2018. Now keep in mind that I got an email today that said the guy who created the Loki series, white guy, is writing a Star Wars movie. Disney, come on. You can't have it both ways. I would like a job. (laughs) So hire me. Well, you did cancel DuckTales, so there's an issue there. Uh, of course, this year was like you're no other, blah, blah, blah. But uh, people like, speaking of Disney, Chloe Zhao directed The Eternals. Kate Shortland directed Black Widow. Uh, they The movies were pushed to this year, uh, so we'll count them as this year. Kathy Ann did Birds of Prey. Patty Jenkins did Wonder Woman 1984, another movie that was pushed. But it was from the summer into the winter. The study was done by Dr. Martha Lausen. Uh, and uh, let's see. Um, women made up 19% of all directors, writers, uh, executive producers, producers, editors, cinematographers, working on all the watched movies at home. Oh, I also did a watched at home top 20 chart from March through December uh, 2020. Um, the 19% of the women, uh, in the, uh, below the line or excuse me, above the line roles <laughs> that were directors, writers, executive producers, producers, editors, and cinematographers. I think editors and cinematographers are below the line. Uh, it's slightly lower than the 21% achieved in the top grossing films. Just under 10% of directors working on the watched at home films were women down from 16% of the filmmakers of top box office hits. It's good that we have this uh, barometer of of even though the movies were released at home uh, that we still can can count, you know, what did well and what didn't. Um, and I would love to see. And you, obviously, you, you have they have to track the the top grossing movies. But I would love to see the smaller movies uh, like I used to go to here, starring Julian uh, uh, Jacobs. Uh, I don't know who directed that. <laughs> I just I just named a random movie or um, Save Yourselves with um, uh, two two young comedy actors who I believe are very one's on one's on Miracle Workers and the other is on. Um, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Why well, I don't know these people's names on Search Party, uh, but they're both great funny actors. Um, I, but I would love to see because that's where the. Sadly, the women and the people of color thrive when it comes to uh, the film industry in these in these smaller uh, roles. 
it grows murkier when you go down down the credits. On the top 100 highest grossing movies, women held 20% of producer jobs and 21% of executive producer positions, an increase of two percentage points in both categories. Women comprised 18% of editors, 12% writers, and 3% of cinematographers. The number of female cinematographers increased by a percentage point, but the number of writers and editors fell by eight percentage points and five points respectively. So we're still, I don't know. So we're still on a uh, uh, a decrease somewhere, somewhat slightly. And I want, and I, and I don't know if this, and if it, if it, uh, if if the pandemic attributed to it at all. But I wonder if the hiring practices will now change, um, especially if they're changing with people of, with women of color in particular, uh, when it comes to acting roles. Um, so I wonder if if everything is going to uh, expand greatly. Everybody's gonna get a chance. All right, let's move on to the next one. So this is a little something that I saved uh, from December twenty fourth. Um, this comes from NPR. Uh, David Folkenfeld wrote, wrote this. Wrote this. Host of the Daily Clouds New York Times effort to restore trust after Caliphate. So if you don't know what happened, Caliphate uh, was. What is a show? Is a podcast? I was just uh, so lauded when it came to uh, the production and the story it told, um, and uh, it was about a guy who said he was on ISIS and then uh, he escaped ISIS and he told his story. Uh, turns out he was lying the entire time or most of the time and the producers fell for it and we're in the move. The, sh- uh, the podcast has been out for a couple of years and the producers fell, f- uh, have just been, have just found out that, uh, he, the guy was a liar and now they're indeed doo doo. Um, but the problem is when people found that out and when the New York times reported that they lied about it, they, uh, they didn't have like an outside uh, a reporter who wasn't connected to the story report on it. They had Michael Barbaro, who's the host of the Daily Podcast, uh, report on it. The way he's connected is that the executive producer is his wife or uh, partner, whatever he calls her. <laughs> they did a corrective podcast, a 30-minute corrective podcast episode where uh, Barbaro was is basically doing damage control as uh, Fulk and Folk writes on a controversy that proved close to home. So Barbaro talked to the executive editor, Dean Beckwet, Beckett, whatever. And he spoke to the investigative correspondent who was uh, Mark Mazzetti, who led the team that told the story. Sorry, I just had a pop up on uh, NPR. NPR, come on. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, so the corrective audio episode, yeah, it's fine that it did that. But the problem is that they got somebody who was too close to it. And so now he's the one um, not – they're not passing the blame on, but he's he's not mentioning uh, his wife who's a part of the show. And, again, I don't know if it's his wife or if they're engaged, but I know they are deep in doo-doo. <laughs> deep in doo-doo together. Uh, Barbaro did not he he did not disclose several key facts about his own connection to the to the show. 
the show started in 2018. Andy Mills, a key producer behind the launch of The Daily, helped drive the sound and feel Caliphate. And then uh, Mills became Kalamachi's sidekick on air. Kalamachi is the uh, woman that, uh, what's his name, is uh, Michael Barbaro is uh, dating, I believe. Yeah. Oh, God. What is her what is her first name? Kalamachi, Kalamachi. Find it. I was right. It was uh Oops, excuse me. It was uh Oops. <laughs> Rukmini Kalamachi. That is the producer. That is her name. I was right. Is a woman that he's a anyway. so relationship is no secret has been documented in other outlets from the New York New York uh, Post page six gossip column. Uh, in switching four years ago from the politics beat to become the Times first daily audio host, Barbaro has evolved into one of the paper's most recognizable stars. The Times says more than four million listeners download the podcast each day. It has won the paper and new uh, several awards, subscribers, all that stuff. Uh, and then one of the other issues is that Barbaro went and uh, went on Twitter to uh, quickly defend the New York, not just New York, not New York Times, but he also went to quickly defend uh, Caliphate and the editors. Backwet told NPR uh, that Friday that it did constitute a, re- a retraction quote for parts of that were about Chandri and his story. Chandri was the guy who lied about being an ISIS uh, and and uh, his history and his background. Uh, Caliphate was in the 10 chapters, blah, blah, blah. Oh, privately, Barbaro repeatedly pressed at least four journalists Friday to temper their critiques of the times and how they fa- framed what happened. David Folkenfilk knows because he was one of them. So that means Barbara was reaching out uh, to people like Folkenfilk and like the Washington Post's Eric Wimple and with direct messages saying, hey, uh, using and he's using the word, quote-unquote, retract on Twitter to describe what happened. Because Wimple used the word retract and Barbaro wanted to make it look like they weren't retracting. They were just amending the story. Uh, this is, you know, this is not, and it's not just a New York Times problem. It's a Washington Post problem. It's a, because uh, I'm thinking about, because I'm, I'm writing an episode of News Time. Next week's episode of News Time is about uh, journalists losing their jobs and going to places like, or, or quitting their jobs and going to Substack or you know, going to OnlyFans to to do some things, uh, which is true. Vice is going to Only OnlyFans, um, but when you have when you have uh, stuff like this, they're trying to they're trying to put out the fire while the fire is still uh, spreading, and it's a gasoline fire, and they're using you know water. They're, the fire is still going, and they're using water, and but then the fire is still setting up over there, starting up over there. Uh, it's. It's an it's an interesting story to see, and and you know the Washington the Washington Post has been through this because they just retracted a story yesterday about the riots uh, happening at the Capitol, uh, or they retracted a story today rather. Uh, Wall Street Journal had to say something about something recently, um, and, and and the New York Times obviously has to do something you know every couple of weeks. <laughs> they still get my money; it's fine. Um, but you know they they see these this stuff happening. And 
it is, uh, you know, it, it gets, it, it, yeah, it just makes me think back to like Walter Cronkite and the easier days of news when, you know, a couple of things happened instead of 49 trillion things happening. And uh, the importance was obviously, you know, Watergate and then, you know, like death and stuff. <laughs> but it, it wasn't like, a, you know, a, a riot, racism, uh, daily coronavirus stuff, uh, murder, sexual assault. You know, it wasn't all this. It wasn't all this stuff compounding on each other. And, and now you have um, not only you have the journalists are being scrutinized for not only uh by by you know their audience but also by their by critics and then also by the people that they work with and then also by their colleagues which is the people that they work with and so it's it, it's it's speaking of mishmashes the mishmashes mishmashes of things um happening uh that and it's and it's all compounding on each other and um the truth gets you know buried because uh, they're because you're what, what you're trying to tell a story you're trying to get the story out as fast as possible i'm not saying that's a you know that's a good thing that they're doing that it's it's definitely not uh but you know we we, we get so many we get all this news at the tip of our fingers so quickly and it just and then and then you know we pick it apart as soon as we get it is Nintendo putting out a Switch Pro? Oh, they say no, but patents have been filed, and Bloomberg reported this, and Famitsu, Famatsu reported that, and you know this data miner found this, uh, and then eventually, you know, in in three months, Nintendo's going to say, "Yeah, we we're making a Switch Pro," <laughs> or they're going to say, "No, we really weren't making a Switch Pro." <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'll expand on this a little bit uh, more in depth and more succinctly when I do next week's news time. Um, so look, I'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, but this damage control thing is really telling. And, you know, I, and listening to The Daily this week, which has put out its first new episodes of the year, you know, you're, you got to think, like, man, like in the back of my head, I'm thinking, man. Dude, you all you had to do was say, "Hey, we screwed up." And I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Barbaro uh, the way when he's talking. I'm like, man, you all you had to do was just say, "Hey, man, we screwed up." Hey, guys, listen, we screwed up, we screwed up. And Caliphate, good show, but uh, we were tricked. We were tricked. <laughs> and and maybe you know we should all have that kind of humility, <laughs> like like truly, we just we all spent uh, well, most of us spent the year stuck inside. So maybe we should just learn to have some humility and that anything can take us down physically or emotionally. <clears throat> All right, let's move on. That's it. We're done. If you like what you heard here, head to the website, seaflesscomedy.com, where you can see the um, uh, interviews of the favorite comedians. Uh, no interviews so far. It's only January 7th. <laughs> so it makes sense. If you want to see a video version of the show, head to youtube.com slash equals comedy. I'm almost positive that the camera shut off. <laughs> it's not recording anymore. You can also see the, our premiere show on News Time, which is a, a news magazine style show. Take one topic. Talk about it.
This week's episode is bloopers, the last part of the bloopers from last year. And uh, next week's episode will be the first week, uh, first episode of the year. So we'll see how that goes. I've done, last year I did uh, seven hours of news time. Seven hours, 11 minutes. It's crazy. The year before that it was like six and a half hours. And the year before that it was like four hours. Uh, so it's getting bigger. It's getting worse. <laughs> I wouldn't say better. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, at C Comedy. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at Chat Black and White. Like us on Facebook. Rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. You're the best. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs>